An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. I give you Super Train! Episode 378, submission number 1426, Stick Around. Stick Around was an aired pilot on... No, I thought it aired? It aired, yes. What? It aired. I had no idea this aired. Like I was saying, Stick Around was a pilot that aired on ABC on May 30th, 1977. Robots that don't work, computers that fall apart. If you think things were complicated in 1977, just stick around. Stick around, stick around. There's a whole lot of joy to be found. Stick around. stick around no you shouldn't well boys one of the great comic minds that ever came out of the 70s was andy kaufman and if you've ever seen man in the moon with jim carrey you know and of course one of his most memorable characters was a foreigner named latka gravas who worked for a taxi company in New York, the Sunshine Cab Company, where he would be the foreigner. And, of course, he had that classic line, Thank you very much! But not many people know that that is not the first time we ever saw or heard that Andy Kaufman character. Yeah, because that was a main bit in his stand-up act. It was his foreign main character brought to the small screen. But before he would bring that character to Taxi, he would bring it to another ABC project that featured him in a starring role. But he was neither foreign nor a cab driver. He was... Hand to God, he was a robot. A robot. A robot. A robot. So, okay, he's a robot. So, obviously, he's not going to have a name like Lotka. So, I'm wondering, I'm sure the writers paid very much attention to name this character. What was this character's name? Yeah, they really stretched their... um mental faculties on this one 
The writing team of Fred Freeman and Lawrence J. Cohen, working under the tutelage of TAT Productions, which is that legendary uh, broadcast house which gave us the Jeffersons, among others. He was playing a robot named Andy. Wow, what a stretch. Andy Kaufman is playing a robot named Andy. Well, it's sort of a double entendre if you think about it, because Android, short for Android, is Andy. Oh, yeah, yeah, went over this during uh, Homeboys in Outer Space. So, yeah, it was one of those things that just made sense in a completely nonsensical way. So, talked about the writing team of Fred Freeman and Lawrence J. Cohen. Fred Freeman was a former football player and coach selected by the Giants in the 1967 NFL Draft. And Lawrence J. Cohen is a psychologist and author specializing in children's play and play therapy. What those two have to do with robots in the future? Stick around and we'll show you. Aside from what we talked about earlier, Lawrence J. Cohen and Fred Freeman wrote a couple of episodes of Empty Nest, a couple of episodes of Struck by Lightning, and Delirious, and Married to the Mob. Delirious was that John Candy joint where, like, he wrote for a soap opera, and then, like, he ended up in the soap opera, right? Yes, it got incredibly meta. This show, it got incredibly meta, especially in the beginning, where we see one of the characters break the fourth wall and say, if you think that life in 1977 is hard, just stick around. And that's important because this show does not take place in 1977. It takes place... In 2055. I will give the people who made this show credit. They set this show in 2055. They could have been lazy and set it in 2057, 80 years into the future. No, they set it 78 years into the future. I guess they like uh, random numbers, which I totally get. Who was sticking around, stick around, aside from... Andy Kaufman, Andy the Robot. While the action centers around Andy's owners, Vance and Elaine Kiefer, an otherwise happily married couple. Vance was played by Fred McCarran, who would be best known in The Goodbye Girl as part of the cast of Richard III, and in previous entry Mr. President as a character named Fred. Fred! Fred. He was also in an episode of the new Love American style, which we all agreed was... Just alright. Just alright. Sadly, no longer with us, died in 2006. His doting, caring, and lovely wife, Elaine, was played by Nancy New who was known primarily 
for a four-episode stint on Edge of Night in 1982. I wish I could say there was more to her career than that, but there really wasn't. This was the high point right here. I wouldn't even call it that. And then you have their neighbor, Joe Burkus, who in 2055 would be what they call a cryogenic. Somebody who was living in our time, that's yours, mine, and his, our time, who was either dead or is near death sometime in the mid-80s, was cryogenically frozen and reanimated sometime before the events of this pilot. And he loves to talk to the Keepers about, quote-unquote, the good old days. He was played by Cliff Norton, who was a reporter in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, if you remember that. Oh, classic. But we've talked about him previously. We've talked about him on Love, Sydney. We talked about him on The Ropers. And if that's not enough, we're going to talk about him in February. Of 2024? Yes, we are. Oh. Oh, we also talked about him in Lots of Luck. I forgot about that. Oh, man. I I think that's where I remember seeing him originally. Man, he's making a Hall of Fame case. He may be. And and I really think this might push him over the edge, what we're going to talk about him on in February. And he was in Holmes and Yo-Yo. He was the doctor who created Yo-Yo. I really think, seriously, February, the case is made. He's going to be in the hall. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm not putting money on it, but I really think the odds are he's going to be going in. Let's just put him in with Diana Canova, and they'll be the two headliners of 2024 so far. And rounding out the cast as Earl, Craig Richard Nelson. Now, Earl is actually a model up from Andy. Yes, Earl is a robot. So we got two robots. Two robots. And Craig Richard Nelson, not to be confused with Craig T. Nelson, was a that guy from that thing. He was in an episode of Star Trek, an episode of Night Court, old school, and an episode of Wings. What? Star Trek The Next Generation... Night Court, and Wings, among others. Yes, and once again, I should note, it was 78 episodes ago, when for the first time ever on this podcast, as you all know, I mentioned that I love Wings. It made Tony Shalhoub's career. Yes, it did. But he actually had a uh, recurring character role on Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, which uh, carried over to Fernwood tonight as Dr. Richard Osgood. So yeah, known commodity there. So there is the cast. Things are better for the human race, except for Vance, who works in an antique shop and sells things from the 70s that he has little to no knowledge about. It's a living. 
So what happened on this pilot? I'm going to try and be as concise as possible, but you really need to see this for yourself in order to, you know, get it. We start with Vance and Andy playing a somewhat sort of chess in the mid-21st century game, and Vance actually programs Andy to lose. Andy ends up winning. The chess game is sadly not the Star Wars chess game that we would see later in 1977. Hey, as a matter of fact, you said this aired May 30th, right? Mm-hmm. Star Wars would have premiered five days before this. So in the chess sci-fi battle of 1977, Star Wars wins hands down. How about in the uh, robotic domestic category? Well, you know what? I would like to see what would happen if Andy played R2-D2 in Star Wars chess. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, yeah. Better yet. Better idea, guys. Andy against R2-D2 in Star Wars chess on Sega CD. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Again, with the Sega CD references, they never get old. Especially Star Wars chess and the crappy-ass animated FMV sequences. Why, Greg? Why? <laughs> because I love to torture all of you. Uh, you know. Anyway, Vance programs Andy to lose this chess game by checking the programming on either one of the epaulets on his shoulders. Andy ends up winning anyway. Insert your own Gary Kasparov deep blue joke here. Which leads Elaine to look at the camera and declare, Robots that don't work, computers that fall apart. If you think things are complicated in 1977, just stick around. So we cut into Vance at his antique shop full of things from the 1970s. Everything from a space heater to... A toilet that doubles as a shrubbery, apparently. But it's not just any toilet, Chica. It's a bicentennial toilet. Yes, it's from 1976. And Andy works alongside Vance in the shop as a gift wrapper, which he does comedically. Oh, he is a crappy-ass gift wrapper. A request to gift wrap a toaster results in both wrapping paper and yards of tape that barely cover the merchandise. So in comes this customer who says that he was a cryogenic. He was frozen in the mid-80s and brought out of cryogenic hibernation a couple of months ago, actually. And he recognizes that what Vance calls a lamp is actually a radiator slash space heater. And speaking of heaters, he opens his satchel, pulls out a 38 special, and asks Vance to assess it. And he says, oh, it's a 38. Yeah, this actually comes from the year 1938. And the cryogenic was like, 
No, this is a 38 because it shoots 38 millimeter bullets. Stick them up. Oh no, we got to stick up in the future. Yep, using weapons from our time. And Vance tries to use Andy as a, I was about to say human shield, but that's not possible. It's a robot shield. And Andy basically gives the robber all of his money and ties Vance up. So later that day, Vance has to go to Elaine because he is tired of living with and working with Andy. Elaine has known Andy all her life. She was a little girl when her parents bought Andy and first brought him home. And he's been the part of the family ever since. At this point, we meet the neighbor, Mr. Burkus, played by Cliff Norton, another former cryogenically frozen individual. Now, here's the thing. In 2055, people treat cryogenically frozen people very badly. It's almost like if I were to use a derogatory name, insert derogatory name here. So Mr. Burkus comes by for dinner. Andy tries to serve dinner and um, fails miserably. Gee, who would have thunk? Yeah. An interesting thing they have for dinner, they have trees and rubber. It's 2055. What do you know? Anyway, Vance decides he wants to get another robot. So he invests in a tall, strapping, young thing by the name of Earl, who is superior to Andy in every single way. He even looks better than him. Andy, of course, being jealous tries to usurp Earl's abilities, even going as far as throwing him out of the window, which in 2055 is 12 stories high. Think Jetsons, people. Think Jetsons. And while... <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> this is funny. And while Vance and Elaine are in a mood harmonizer... A mood harmonizer. Now, do we want to describe for Mike what was basically... Go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. Can I just use my imagination? I've got an idea. You, you can fill me in, but I have an idea. What? Hold on. What's your idea, Mike? Something sexual. It's not exactly off the mark there, Mike, but um, there's more to it than that. Okay, give me details. The harmonizer is basically a giant ass toaster. Whoa. 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 Ass toaster? Yeah, they got really hot buns after a bit. Dum dum. But seriously, it is a giant toaster, and when they're done, they just pop up. Ding. 
Of course, the mood harmonizer doesn't really soothe Bansa's nerves any, and he is still determined to replace Andy with Earl. But Andy determines that if he doesn't live with Vance and Elaine, he doesn't want to live at all. And this is after Vance tries to sell Andy to a couple played by Jeffrey Kramer and Louise Williams. Uh, Jeffrey Kramer, of course, was in Jaws as Hendrix and a producer of 62 episodes of The Practice, believe it or not. But you probably remember him as the lost motorist on Clue. Okay, I just saw the ass toaster, or the mood harmonizer, whatever it's called. You're right, that's an ass toaster. It looks like a toaster. They're sitting in these, not really like, you know, the slots that you put bread in. It's more for like a person's size. It's a freaking toaster. It's got the little levers and whatnot. What the heck? All right, time out. We mentioned Clue. Hey, Mike, do you know who else was in Clue? Martin Mull. Yes, besides Martin Mull. Tim Curry. Besides Tim Curry. Oh, gosh. Uh, a name's coming to mind, but I can't think of her. Eileen Brennan. I knew you were going to say that. No, no. Get your butt in the ass toaster and stay there and think about what you just did. <laughs> Mike, it's been 40 years. It's time to get over your hatred of Eileen Brennan. Once Chico gets in the ass toaster, then I'll reconsider it. I didn't even mention who played the wife who wanted to buy Andy off of the keepers because Andy planted one on her like Candy Clark planted one on Bob Rudy back on Tuesday's episode. The wife Lisa is played by Louise Williams, who is credited as Liberty Williams. She will forever be known as Jaina of the Wonder Twins on Super Friends. Oh! But Andy doesn't really take kindly to being sold. So he goes downstairs to the uh, energy reactor, clips himself to said energy reactor, and is prepared to end it all. Because he says, if I can't live with you all, then I don't want to live at all. And he explains that in giving the robber all of the money in the antique shop from earlier, he was actually protecting Vance. He was saving his life. So this causes Vance to have a change of heart, and he decides, you know what, maybe Andy will stick around. And that's the pilot, in a nutshell. We tell you what happens to the pilot, but it's on YouTube. You can watch for yourself and make your own judgment. But yeah, it's as endearing as it is schlocky. It's one of those shows that you look at it and you just get a whole lot of future shock. I mean, this isn't exactly 20 seconds into the future. This is supposed to be 2055, but it's supposed to be like in a far distant future. Like Greg said earlier, 
78 years and 78 years and things look a lot different, but they feel a lot similar. And ABC decided to give this pilot a go because in the mid-1970s, Andy Kaufman, he was doing The Tonight Show, he was doing The Midnight Special, he was doing Saturday Night Live. He was actually a regular on Van Dyke and Company. Yes, that's on the list. And ABC wanted to capture this character and give him a platform for him to uh, get into shenanigans. But this ain't it, Chief. No. After just skimming through this pilot, I think the big problem is, yeah, you got one episode out of it. What do you do for episode two? Seriously, I think that's my problem with it. It's funny on the surface, but it's just I can't see what they do for future episodes. I, I don't know how you can really build off of it from what I've seen. Well, probably make a slice of life of life in 2055 and parallel it to how life is in 1977. Like what would happen if a cryogenic person was a victim of a hate crime or something? Still not buying it, but just my opinion. But yeah, stick around. It was released in May 3, 1977. Somebody recorded it. It went around on the bootleg trade until it found its way on YouTube, where it sits to this day. You can watch it, but I guarantee you will not enjoy it unless you have a uh, pleasure-enhancing device. Look, if I wanted a robot butler in 1977, I'll just stick with C-3PO. I want to say half of the reason why they decided to air this show was because of Star Wars. Well, no, I mean, it's only like five days into Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars fever wouldn't be like a thing until like later on in the summer. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is May 30th, so that's Memorial Day. Were people necessarily watching TV on Memorial Day? I don't know. You know, the weather's nice, and yeah, I know it's at night, but still, not the best time to air a pilot or anything new, necessarily. And even taking a look at the listings, this didn't even air in Cleveland. It aired in Akron, but in Cleveland, we got a Jacques Cousteau special, at least the first uh, half hour of a Jacques Cousteau special. I don't even know what else you could say about this. I mean, it's a slice of life in the future used to explain all of the absurdities of the present, but the joke was lost in all of Andy Kaufman's madcap tomfoolery. But there's a silver lining. A year later, Andy Kaufman would be put as a side character on a little show called Taxi and the rest is history. This would just be another bump in the road for him and for us. Stick around would just be a thing on TV. Wait a minute. Hold on a second. I got an idea of where they could have gone in a future episode. Robots versus wrestlers. Get it? Because... Andy yeah. Kaufman wrestled. 
Yeah. That's your triple entendre there because A, Andy Kaufman was a wrestler, and B, two out of three of us are really big fans of How I Met Your Mother. Oh, yeah. Remember, robots versus wrestlers. That's when it was Mexican doppelganger Ted. Mexican wrestler Ted, yes. But yeah, Andy Kaufman, he would resurrect the robot character in a film called Heartbeeps, and all people would think was, my god, that robot sounds like Latka from Taxi. And that's how you know you made it. And why is Bernadette Peters in this? Why wouldn't she be in this? But there you go. We're not going to watch Heartbeeps, but you can listen to all of the heart that we put into all 377 previous episodes, and all of the beeps as well, on ItWasAThingOnTV.com. Uh, we have all of the episodes, all of our live watches, all of the minisodes, all of the uh, instant reactions. In fact, uh, Greg put one up last week, if I'm not mistaken. Over the weekend. We mentioned oh. it on Tuesday. Yep. So take a listen to that. We are on all social media at It Was A Thing On TV, except for Facebook, which you can find us at It Was A Thing On TV Podcast. And all of our episodes are available wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Remember, like and subscribe, rate and review, five stars only because positive vibes only. And if you're listening to on YouTube, don't forget to smack the notification bell so you can stay up to date with all of the pilots we have for the remainder of this month. Like our next pilot, what happens when a race car driver suddenly develops extrasensory powers? What? And it's played by Leonard Nimoy against type. Now I'm intrigued. Well, if you're not intrigued, I guarantee you'll be baffled next time right here on It Was A Thing On TV. Thank you so much for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you for the next one. Wow! Thank you very much. Thank you very much.